worship like you don't know what's coming, but God's going to cover you tonight. Say, I will shout your praise. I will shout your praise. Come on, start marking my crash. I'm going to shout his praise. Your praise incredible day I think we could have given an altar call after Jonathan Kahn's video had a lot of people saved we could just go go and have coffee <laughs> but God has more doesn't he I, I just want to say tonight how much I appreciate the opportunity of preaching in this service 66 years ago in the month of August I preached my very first sermon Later this month, I'll have my 85th birthday. So I always think every time I preach, this could be my very last sermon. <laughs> so I've chosen a topic tonight that I feel like would be appropriate. It's the truth about heaven. Amen. Amen. You want to go there? Amen. Turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12, and then I'll read from Revelation Chapter 21, Revelation, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Revelation chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, 
prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Could we have a little hallelujah break right there? Amen. <laughs> Amen. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. You may be seated. The very first words that we read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12 and verse 22 says, but ye are come unto Mount Zion. I want you to know it's real. We're going to heaven. There's a place that God has created and made on the planet heaven that you and I will dwell for, with Jesus Christ until the rapture when we come back with him to this earth to rule and reign for a thousand years and then we'll dwell forever and ever and ever in the eternal perfect state. There are many songs and prayers and poems, and books, and art, which describe the eternal home for God's people. Some testify that they've had a brief visit to heaven, a death experience, and then they visited heaven and God allowed them to come back to earth after their death experience. Each description that you read or hear differs somewhat from others. None of them are exactly alike. Others have had visions, and each vision includes things like angels, mansions, indescribable beauty, joy, music, people, streets of gold, exquisite gems, and all types of beauty. This makes you wonder just what all heaven really has in store for us when we get there. Some have seen myriads of angels, the innumerable host of angels, some of them with different rank and different duties and different assignments. Of course, most of them testify that they've seen Jesus there. Some have even said they seen, have seen God the Father there. Some claim that they have seen their loved ones there and they recognize them and talk to them. And some claim they've seen their mansions, even their mansion that's still under construction. I don't verify that any of those testimonies are wrong or right. I just know that there's a lot of books written, a lot of sermons preached, and a lot of things said about heaven. But I want to give you the truth tonight about heaven. 
There's only one place to find the truth. That's in the Bible. The Bible never makes a mistake. In John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, Jesus said to his disciples, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Our home is in heaven. It's the Father's house. It's where God dwells, where he sits on the throne. He made room there for his children to join him. Those that he made the elaborate plan of salvation for have a destination of going to heaven to the Father's house. We'll be welcome in his house. It will be wonderful when we get there. There's a lot of things that we can't imagine what it's really like, but it's going to be amazing. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. I remember a song that says, don't, don't build me a, I just want a cabin in the corner of glory land. Well, I don't want a cabin in the corner of glory land. The Bible doesn't talk about a cabin in the corner of glory land. I want the place that Jesus has prepared and made for us. Jesus said, I will come again. That's a promise. That's a declaration of truth. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. We know where Jesus is. We know when he left the Mount of Olives and ascended up into the clouds and disappeared, he went to heaven. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us. He said that where I am, there ye may be also. The most wonderful thing about heaven is Jesus is there and we will be with him. He said, let not your heart be troubled when he introduced this subject matter of heaven. Don't be worried, don't be anxious, don't be troubled. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 1 through 4, the apostle Paul told about a vision of heaven. Let me read it to you. It is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man of in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. You have to remember there's a planet earth and the heavens above where the clouds are and then there's where the stars the starry heavens and then the third heaven which is the planet heaven where God lives I knew such a man whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter one thing we know about heaven is up. Paul said, I, I knew this man. I don't know what kind of experience this is, but I heard things unspeakable for me to speak. You know, we, we read all these books and things that people speak a lot, but Paul said there were some unspeakable words that were not lawful for him to utter. So he was caught up into the third heaven. Jesus is there. The Father is there. 
Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22. Who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we know where Jesus is. Actually, there are 22 references in the Bible that speak about Jesus being at the right hand of God. For those who believe there's only one in the Trinity, only one person, they do not believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. There are 22 verses in the Bible that speak about Jesus sitting on the right hand of God the Heavenly Father. Enoch is there. Elijah is there. Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. He was translated without dying. Elijah went to heaven with horses of fire, a chariot of fire, and a whirlwind, caught up into heaven without dying. So there are two men there that never have died. We believe they possibly might be the two witnesses that come back during the tribulation and are killed and slain in the streets of Jerusalem for and martyred by the Antichrist. So Enoch is there, Elijah is there. All of the Old Testament saints and New Testament saints who have preceded us in death, they're in heaven. Their souls and their spirit bodies in heaven today. Their, body, their physical body will be resurrected on the day of the resurrection, reunited with their spirit body. But right now, they're in heaven. They're enjoying a wonderful place. I believe that they can wear white robes. They can wave palm branches. They can play harps. They can sing. They can worship. They can praise the living God in heaven in their spirit bodies. So then on the resurrection day, their physical body will come out of the grave. I go through the cemetery and I watch people being lowered down into the dirt and I think about what a wonderful day when they come back out of there. Come out of there and join their spirit body which is already in heaven and come back and the Lord's going to resurrect them and then we that are alive and remain will be translated, caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The raptured saints will certainly be there when the rapture takes place. Of course, it has not happened yet, but it will. It is going to happen. John and all the tribulation saints that we read about in the book of Revelation, those who were beheaded are going to be there. Let me read to you, in fact, those who have been beheaded prior to the tribulation. They're already there. Let me read to you from the book of Revelation, chapter 20 and verse 4 and 5. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them. Judgment was given unto them, and I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. I believe this is a very interesting 
note about the times in which we're living. When ISIS is beheading so many people, it will be a familiar sight during the tribulation when Antichrist is seeking to destroy Christians and anybody that professes to be saved after the rapture. There will be a great number of people saved after the rapture. Very likely, many of, most of them probably will pay for it with their life, maybe being beheaded. So this is something we see in the news. We can hardly believe that this is the culture of our day and time, and yet it's in the Bible. Christians beheaded by ISIS, by the hundreds in the Middle East. Stephen and the thief on the cross who confessed to Jesus that he wanted to be saved. They will be there. They are there. The four and 20 elders that we read about in Revelation chapter 4 are there. Multitudes from every nation will be there. The Father's house is the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the capital city of planet heaven. The Father's house is heavenly Jerusalem. Hebrews chapter 12 that we read, verse 22, but ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Mount Zion, spelled with an S there, but just the same and identified with a Z. The city of the living God. The city of the living God. Heavenly Jerusalem. Where a great number, number, innumerable number of angels are already there. The general assembly and church of the firstborn are there. We used to sing a song, what a gathering of the faithful that will be when the rapture takes place and we ascend and go to heaven. What a gathering of the redeemed and of the faithful to God, the judge of all, the Father God, and then to Jesus. What a blessing to be in the company of our heavenly Father and his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I will come again. Never doubt it, friends. He's coming back. He said, but if it were not so, I would have told you so. I've been honest with you. I'm coming back again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He wants you to come. He doesn't want you to miss it. He wants you to be ready. And that's why we're preaching about it tonight, that the Lord will help us to be ready when the time comes. The second point of my sermon is the new Jerusalem the capital city of the planet heaven. Let me read from the Living Bible, please, from the text that we read earlier, Revelation 21. Here it is in verse 10, Living Bible. In a vision he took me to a towering mountain peak, and from there I watched the wondrous city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of the skies from God. It was filled with the glory of God and flashed and glowed like a precious gem, crystal clear like jasper. Its walls were broad and high, with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on them, on the gates. There were three gates on each side, north, south, east, and west. 
The walls had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel held in his hand a golden measuring stick to measure the city and the gates and walls. When he measured it, he found it was a square, a, was a square as wide as long. In fact, it was in the form of a cube. I disagree with the Living Bible. I don't believe it was a cube. I believe it was a, like a pyramid, one mountain after another going to the top of Mount Zion. Nevertheless, <laughs> the height was exactly the same as the other dimensions. 1,500 miles each way. And he measured the thickness of the walls and found them to be 216 feet wide across. The angel called out these measurements to me using standard units. The city itself was pure, transparent gold like glass. The wall was made of jasper and was built on 12 layers of foundation stones inlaid with gems. It's a wondrous city. The Holy Jerusalem, verse 10 says. Verse 11 tells us it's filled with the glory of God. Now we felt measures of the glory of God even as we have been in worship tonight. And on certain occasions, you sense and feel a measure of the glory of God. Think about when we get to that heavenly Jerusalem, it's going to be filled with the glory of God. The place will radiate with God's holy presence. 1,500 miles each way, verse 16. Verse 17, walls, 216 feet. Now, I believe those walls are literal around the city of Jerusalem, Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. But then I believe that it ascends one mountain after another until it gets to the very pinnacle and the top of Mount Zion. There's a song that says, Oh, that city on Mount Zion, though a pilgrim yet, I love thee still. I'll not leave thee through the ages when I reach that city on the hill. There's another song that I love very much. There, right, there waits for me a glad tomorrow where gates of pearl swing open wide. And when I pass the veil of sorrow, I'll dwell upon the other side. Someday, beyond the reach of mortal man, someday, only known just where and I only know just where and when the wheels of mortal time shall all stand still and I shall dwell on Zion's hill. I love that old song. We're seeking a city not made with hands. No mortal being had anything to do with preparing those mansions. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. All he would have to do is speak them into existence and they are there. And so I don't think there's a building team up there getting it ready for us now. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14 says, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. We're like Abraham. We're looking for a heavenly country. Then Hebrews 11 and verse 10, He looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. Abraham was searching for that city. He's looking forward to being there and being with God the Father and with God the Son. The new Jerusalem will come down to earth. It will leave the planet heaven and descend down through the skies and be on the earth after the millennium, after the thousand years of peace is over the way I understand it. 
here in verses one through five that we read earlier, I saw the new heaven and the new earth. The first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. What a blessing. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. New is a theme of Revelation 21. New means it's not weathered with age. The new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, all things new will have new bodies, will have a new relationship. It's going to be a blessing. New to replace the old. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 through 13, Peter talked about the heavens passing away with a great noise and God creating a new heavens and earth. Heavens and earth shall pass away. All things shall pass away. We look for new heavens and new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Now let me digress here for a moment. After the rapture and the Antichrist and tribulation and then the battle of Armageddon and Jesus comes back with his raptured saints to defeat the devil and to defeat Antichrist and the false prophet at Armageddon. We know that the devil was, is going to be cast into a bottomless pit. We know Antichrist and the false prophet are going to be cast into the lake of fire. But for 1,000 years, Jesus Christ will reign on this earth in a reign of righteousness. I believe the raptured saints will help to administer his righteous rule over the earth during that period of time. What a blessing it would be to live on earth during that time. A lot of people will be born during the millennium. There will be natural people on the earth, natural nations. They'll bring their glory into the, the city of Jerusalem. And then at the end of the 1,000 years, we, we see that heaven and earth is going to pass away. What's going to happen? With fire, God is going to renovate the heavens and the earth. Renovate. How could anybody survive? the same way Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in the fiery furnace. God preserved them through a furnace heated seven times hotter than ever before. The men who put them in there died. So during the, the great renovation of the heavens, God will preserve the people he wants to live beyond the millennium and go into the new earth and live under the new heavens with the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem that has come down from God to earth to reign forever and ever and ever in an eternity of peace. My last point is the heaven is the eternal home for believers. Beloved, the invitation is out there. It's for everyone. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That was spoken for you and all of your trouble 
all your heavy burdens, all of your sinfulness, your wrong deeds, just come to Jesus. Come unto me, he said. Bring it to him. He knows how to take care of it. He knows how to forgive, how to cleanse. If you will just repent, and if you'll just turn your life over to him, he said, come unto me. There's power in that initiative. He, he, he says, come, and with that there is power to enable you to get up and walk out of the life you're now living into the glorious life of a Christian born again and washed in the blood of Jesus. Leave your sinful past. Say goodbye to the crowd that's pulled you down. So many people want to join the church, want to get baptized, and they want to serve God and be a Christian, but they will not give up the crowd they've been running with. They'll pull you down every time. You think you're going to pull them up. That's what happens when people marry the wrong person. They always think they can pull them up to the level of faith that they are. It doesn't always work, so it's a dangerous thing to marry with, with that perception. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. Wherefore, come out from among them, <clears throat> and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I admire Jonathan Kahn for the strong appeal he gave, telling people to give up the life that they've been involved in. Turn to God with all your heart. And he says, God will be a father unto you. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. The Holy Ghost says, come. We find that in the last chapter of the Bible, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride says, come. Let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Jesus told Simon Peter to come. And he got out of that boat and Simon Peter walked on water. You know, many people judge him because he began to look at the waves and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, help me. Well, he did walk on water. Jesus gave him the power when he said, come. When he says to you, come out of that lifestyle, come out of that sin, come out of that depravity, leave those habits behind, he gives you the power to walk with him and to put your life into his hands and he'll give you power to live the Christian life. You don't have to do it by yourself. It'll be his power living inside of you. He says, come and, there's a little chorus we used to sing. Come and go with me to my father's house, to my father's house, where there's peace, peace, peace. There's four questions that I want to ask you in closing tonight. Are you born again? Are you really saved? Is your name written on the Lamb's book of life? You couldn't put it there. No one can do it for you. God has to see to that in heaven. Have you repented of your sins? That means not only acknowledging that you're a sinner, but turning away from it, repenting. Have you received Jesus Christ? You can do all the other things, get baptized, join the church, but if you haven't accepted Christ, he's knocked at your heart's door. He wants to come in. But if you have not accepted him and received him, you still have a step to go. And tonight, before you leave this building, I want you to be sure that you're born again, that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, 
that you've repented of your sins and that you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Will you bow your heads? As our worship team comes back, and in a few moments we'll be closing this service. We'll be making our way to different places. And God only knows what will happen tomorrow. But if you should die, an accident would take place, a heart attack, and you didn't go to heaven, it would be so sad that you passed up this opportunity tonight. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many will lift your hand and say, Pastor, I know I'm not right with God. I know I'm not really saved and born again with my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Raise your hand. Anywhere in this room, just slip it up. Anywhere, raise that hand and slip it up to acknowledge that you need to get saved. You need to get right with God. Come on, lift it up. Don't be ashamed. We're not going to try to trick you into anything, but give you an opportunity to get right with God. Lift it up. Anywhere. I want everyone to stand, please, for the prayer. Will you just call someone's name that you know and you, you question whether or not they're ready to go to heaven? It could be a son or a daughter. It could be a, a mother or a father. It could be neighbors or somebody you work with. Pray for them while we're praying. Father, we pray for the unsaved. We pray for the lost, for people who are on their way to eternity. And if they're without God, it's so sad. Oh, how sad it would be if the light goes out in their soul. If they don't make it to heaven, what a sad consequence. Father, we pray that people will understand there's a real heaven, but there's also a real hell. And I pray that they'll understand if they don't go to heaven, they'll certainly go to hell. And I pray that not one person in this room will be lost, not one person will miss the rapture. Not one person will be left behind when Jesus comes. Lord, we thank you for the promise we have, the hope we have. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to invite this entire church to come, and let's turn this into a great altar service, a great camp meeting altar time, praying and seeking God for our loved ones, for our nation, for our world, for Israel, for all the problems. Just come on, make your way quickly to the front. Thank you for responding. Thank you for coming. Come in. If you can get down on your knees and pray, that'll be wonderful. If you can't, you can sit close on the front pews or stand. But we need to pray. We need revival in these last days. Jonathan Kahn pleaded the case for revival in the church in the last days. Lord, send revival. Send a mighty awakening. Send a mighty awakening, Lord. Send conviction so that people will not go to hell. Cause them to want to be delivered from the powers of darkness. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, call out on God. I want everybody just to start praying to God. Lord, send a revival. Send a great awakening. Save the lost. Bring the lost to Jesus. Lord, bring them out of the darkness. Bring our loved ones back to God. Some of them have served God. They've backslidden. They've run away. and They've gone the opposite direction. Bring them home, Lord. Bring them home. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, bring our young people. Many of them are tempted by their peers and 
and they're doing things that it's very dangerous for them to do. Bring them out of that darkness and save them, Lord, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, praise God, praise God. I want you to continue praying as the worship team is leading us now and Pastor Chris is coming. God bless you, we love you. Praise God. Come on, continue to pray tonight as they come. And we just begin to worship the Lord. Come on, cry out for America. Come on, cry out for sons and daughters, moms and dads, other people's sons and daughters. Come on, pray tonight as if it was your son that was lost, your daughter that was lost, your coworker, your friends at school, your friends at college. Come on, let's just begin to intercede tonight. There's a real heaven and there's a real hell. Come on, let's just pray right now that God would get a hold of our lost loved ones and friends and co-workers, that they would gain heaven and they would shun hell. Come on, begin to pray tonight. Come on, let Jesus hear us as we begin to intercede. Lord, we pray, God, that you would touch, oh God, a generation. God, touch a generation, oh God. Lord, we pray, God, that they would turn from their wicked ways. God, we pray that they would acknowledge you, oh God, and look to you, oh God, that this is the day of salvation. Jesus saved sons and saved daughters. God, we pray for the prodigals today. God, I pray that you draw them home. God, those that are far from you, Lord, wake them up out of their addictions, oh God. Wake them up, oh God, I pray, out of their abuse. Lord, let this be a season, oh God, when we see prodigals come home like never before. God, we call them home in Jesus' name. We call them home in Jesus' name. God, I pray, Lord, for co-workers. We pray, God, for our schools and our colleges, oh God. Lord Jesus, we pray, God, that you redeem God what seems to be in Oh, God, I pray, God, that you change. God, the unchangeable, oh, God. stand all over this sanctuary and just begin to worship. Come on, lift up your hands, all you people. Let's worship Jesus in closing tonight. Come on, he deserves your worship, those that are watching online right now. Come on, worship your Jesus tonight. You're welcome in our lives. You're welcome in our schools. You're welcome on our college campuses, oh God. Oh, you're welcome in the White House. You're welcome in the Congress, oh God, and Senate. Oh, invade the Capitol building, we pray. Come on, welcome them in the high schools, in the elementary schools. Come on, in the churches, we welcome you, Lord.
tonight I want us just to keep two things in mind as we leave with pastor's words and what an incredible message on heaven but you know I tell the teenagers all the time when I preach on Wednesday nights there's one thing better than going to heaven and there's one thing worse than going to hell the one thing better than going to heaven is taking somebody with you don't go by yourself we got to preach the gospel to the world amen we got to preach it in our schools our co-workers our families there's not much time. I believe as Pastor Gary proclaimed this morning, it's getting really close to midnight. And the second thing I want to admonish you as you live this life, and I believe the epitome of what I'm about to say is lived out in Pastor Cecil Wiggins. I believe it's been lived out in Billy Graham and Franklin Graham and Steve Hill and John Kilpatrick and Dan Kalinda and Ryan Hart Bonke and other great legends of the faith and heroes of the faith. The pastor mentioned that in 22 references in Scripture, Jesus is seated at the right hand of Father God. But there's one text in Acts chapter 7 where it says Jesus changes his posture from a seated position to a standing position. Stephen was being stoned to death and the Bible says he gazed into the heavens and as they gnashed their teeth at the message he had just preached, it says he looked into the heavens and he saw Jesus standing to his feet. And then he proclaimed, I see Jesus standing to his feet. Can you imagine seeing Jesus change his posture based on something you're doing in this life? Let me just tell you, don't just live a life quietly, reserved, back into the shadows as a Christian. Be loud and radical and allow the world to see that Jesus is living and he's alive and resurrected and the whole world needs to know. Do something that causes Jesus to stand to his feet and give us an ovation, amen? To say there's a church in Jacksonville, Florida that I want to stand to my feet and acknowledge they're doing something in missions. I believe there's missionaries in Greece. There's missionaries, I was just in Peru last week. There's missionaries that are laying it on the line that I believe Jesus stands up and looks over the balconies of heaven and he claps 
for what's being done in Greece, in Peru, in Romania, and in Israel, and different nations around the world. Listen, let's go outside of the church walls this week. Let's tell some people about heaven, and let's cause Jesus to be proud of our lives. Amen? Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we close this service. Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight as pastor, preach the word, oh God, that Lord reminds us that there's a heaven to gain, and there's a hell to show. I pray, God, that we would live a life that's radical. Live a life that's outspoken. And God, that we would live proud to know that we are citizens of the eternal destination called heaven. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be boisterous. Allow us, oh God, to preach the message and use our testimony, oh God. Lord, to our jobs. Lord, I pray in the schools as they reconvene. And God, as we go into the streets, the highways and the byways. God, I pray that you help us to hand out the invitations to heaven. God, I pray that we don't go to heaven alone. That, Lord, we stand before you. Lord, having told everyone that we could possibly tell, Lord, about heaven in the eternal place with you. Thank you, Jesus, that you've gone to prepare a place for us. But, Lord, let us go tell a world also, Jesus, that you died for all so that all could receive life eternal with you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you as we continue to worship. Amen. Have a great week.